Okay, so welcome everybody, those that are, are, are watching or viewing on YouTube, um, and those here today. We're going to continue today with, with John the Baptist and what we spoke about earlier, about what's it, two weeks, three weeks ago, about John the Baptist. I just want to quickly recap on John the Baptist. We spoke about where he was calling. He had this calling that he was, was willing to do, um, that he was proclaiming this kingdom, this, this rulership, to come out of the wilderness, and I said to you, that's where, where we, we, where we meet the Lord, and where we can proclaim. Which, when we're in the wilderness, we need to proclaim His kingdom. We do not fold and um, and and always uh, struggle, even though there is struggles in the wilderness. But we need to know that the, the reason for the wilderness, where John the Baptist and we sometimes we end up, is to proclaim His kingdom is coming, to repent. His kingdom is coming. So. Um, in saying that, uh, we get to this place where, where we said this. So we need to realize how we do these things and how we walk it. And I, I spoke about the mindset, how we, as, as believers, constantly change our mind in what we believe in the belief system. I used a couple of examples like one day you believe, you listen to a grace teaching and you think the grace teaching is the best thing and the next thing you hear... A Pentecostal teaching, you think that is the best thing, and the next day you hear a Reformed teaching, and that's the best thing, and you, you cannot discern what you're eating, you, you're just eating, and some of them have got relevant stuff in that, I'm not saying they're bad, but there is bad things in all of that, in every teachings, and in, in every every doctrine, there is bad things, so, it's, and I said, we need to discern what is good to eat, and what not, because a baby doesn't know what is good to eat and what is not good to eat. So you need to grow in order not to eat just anything um, like a pig. will eat anything that you put in front of him um, and cannot discern what is good and what is bad. And that we don't fall in that trap that we just eat everything and we don't discern. And I said we need to have a, a, a real um, a change of mind in the sense that we spoke about two weeks ago where I used Victor as an example where I said if I place Steve Jobs' brain into Victor... Victor will not change his mind again about which phone to buy. He will only want an Apple phone because of Steve Jobs being the designer, the one that had the passion for the iPhone. So if I take Steve Jobs' brain and put it in Victor, Victor will be convinced this is it, and he will not hop around and change the whole time like we sometimes do in the spirit because he had that change of mind and he, he, he knows what he wants. Um, so uh, what was the other thing? I spoke about what kingdom means. I said kingdom doesn't mean heaven. It means of rulership, control, guidance, management. That's what this kingdom is. And that's what John the Baptist was saying and proclaiming when he was in the wilderness. Proclaiming this kingdom is coming, this rulership, this guidance, this management, way of managing our lives is coming. So there's going to be a change that's coming with that. So that was what John the Baptist was proclaiming. He wasn't just saying Jesus is coming. He was saying what, what does that mean when he says Jesus is coming? Uh, and the main thing I said to you also is, I said for 400 years before, um, from the book of Malachi to here, for 400 years, God was not speaking on this earth. For 400 years, he was quiet. Nobody had dreams, prophecies, visions. It was dead quiet. And I said in that, well, what is scary in that 400 years where God was quiet on this earth, religion flourished. Religion grew. Religion was amazing. So when Jesus came to the scene here with John the Baptist, his, his biggest problem, his biggest encounter was religion because it was flourishing for 400 years when God wasn't speaking, man was speaking. 
and man was making his plans and doing his thing and 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 they were flourishing that's why when jesus spoke to them he said to them the way they looked on the outside looked so good and clean and but inside they were dead okay so that is what john the baptist was saying about this repent repent that's change of mind this replacing your mind not just repent from sin that's one aspect of it but the deeper way um i said we had this this doctrine of cause and effect if you can remember Unfortunately, though, we get teach the doctrine of cause and effect in Afrikaans, oorzaak en gevolg. Alright, so what does it mean is, if I, you, when we pray, we say, Lord, if I do A, will you please do B? Or you have this, um, if I do A, then God must do B. That's a cause and effect, a gevolg en oorzaak. Oorzaak en gevolg, manier van die Heer aanbid, en is een verkeerde manier, is nie Bible's manier nie, so it's a wrong way, it's not a biblical way, okay, we don't pray in that sense, when we pray, we seek Him, I said to you, we must be intimate with Him, not with our grocery list, there's a place where you can have that, but that's not what prayer is about, okay, so that was the background where we busy with this John the Baptist, so we actually only had verse 4, still with John the Baptist, and I want to continue today, that we must realize what we do, how we serve the Lord, um, must be out of love. And, and the way we function must be out of love. It's not about the benefits we get out of Him. Because we have such a, a way of thinking that we, we're going to get something out of the Lord when we serve Him. And there's no benefits for serving Him. There's only love for serving Him. That's all that He guarantees that you're going to receive. So we as the true church must really take that place back where we focus on him he's our provider he's our everything if he doesn't give you anything if you don't see anything happening he's still your your lord doesn't matter if he's not talking to you okay that the focus is him and him only that we don't like in the 400 years when he got quiet on the earth go fall into religion if he's quiet with you when you when he's quiet with you and in 400 years he's not speaking you must be a john the baptist crying out in the wilderness for the Messiah. Alright. So we're going to continue today. I'm going to read out of Isaiah 40. Because remember Isaiah was the one that wrote this about John the Baptist. The, the coming of John the Baptist. So I'm going to read in verse 4. We read the others uh, two weeks ago. So we're going to continue on verse 4. It says, Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. In Afrikaans, elke dal moet opgevuld en elke berg en hevel klein gemaakt word. En die bult moet een gelijkte en die rotsachtige plekke een laagte word. If you read that verse in the flesh, it makes no sense. In, 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 in for, for you today to, to do something about it or what it is, it's teaching you. But I want to take you to that verse and explain to you what's going on here in this verse. In this verse, we find actually the church and how they're functioning today. In that verse look at what that verse in every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain a mountain a hill a height those things uh, it can be government strongholds we've spoken about before the meaning of it and it says there there's a lot of mountains and hills in that verse so it can be governments strongholds in your life um, that's what it's talking about there so in today's language Mountain that means all those places. If you think in today, uh, if we have war, 
being having high ground doesn't mean much anymore because the weaponry we've got today is easy to take somebody out when they're on the high ground. But back in the Bible's days, if your army had the high ground, you were invincible nearly because the others had to come up to attack. So a high ground was a place where you were safe and could could have your could win your battles from. It was a, a, a strategic place where you knew if I had the high ground, I most probably will win this battle. So it was a great advantage point for having high ground in a, in a battle being untouchable. So another thing about mountains back there in those days, um, people you were reading the scriptures, people will erect statues on mountains and high places. Back in the days they had statues which they prayed for. Um, they would place holy trees on, on mountains and hilltops which they where they prayed for and worshipped. Um, a lot of people did it back then. It was a norm back in the, in the day of the Bible. So this verse spoke about all these hills and, and stuff in it. And I said hills are like uh, um, governments are ruling over something. So I'm talking about you here. So we also have these mountains. Some have mountains. Some have smaller hills uh, of strongholds. Stuff that's ruling in your, in your, in your body, that's, that's in your mind, that is... That is causing you to, to struggle. Um, one of the biggest biggest strongholds in our in our bodies and in our minds that we carry is religious strongholds and traditions. Our traditions, our Afrikaner tradition, our heritage um, is a huge stronghold. Um, there's beautiful things in that, but we've made it a god and and, and we're worshiping it, and it's wrong. And the same with religion. Our upbringing, the way we were brought up, causes problems and strongholds. The way we think, we think must only be this way. You know? Then it, it brings strongholds and, it, and it, it, we struggle with it. So, all of us have these religious statues, if I can call it, on our little mountaintops. Like we read in that verse. Now that I've said this, go look at that verse. It says, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough place plain. So we're talking about that here. So here we see these that we have these little religious things we're worshipping that's on our little mountains in, in our inner being that we erected and these things are causing problems in our lives. Uh, so if we look at that, it says here, first I encounter him in Isaiah 40 verse 3, we encountered him, it says, as the way. Remember this thing is proclaiming the way that John the Baptist is in Isaiah. In verse 3, he's proclaiming the way, but um, later I can find a mountain on that way. And that mountain might be finances for you, or it might be pride, as we see in verse 4, these mountains. That's a problem on this way that we're seeing if we read the, the verse. You can go read it again afterwards if you want to, Isaiah, because we spoke about it last week, two weeks ago. But here in verse 4, verse 4 follows on verse 3. So on this way, you discover a desert, if I can put it this way. You discover a way in your desert. You're in this desert, and there's a way to get out of this desert. And you discover this way, but this way is full of little strongholds, hilltops in, 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 in you that you need to get rid of. So an important thing to remember is, you will not discover the way, which is Jesus, if you're not in the desert. Think about that for a second. 
You will not discover the way, Jesus, if you're not in the desert. That's why a lot of believers never go into a desert period and they never grow. You only grow in the desert period there. Okay, a lot of people don't like it when we say that. So if Jesus becomes our all in all and the center of who we, who we are and how we function, there will be hills that needs to be flattened. Like it says in that verse uh, 3 and 4, there's hills that need to be flattened, mountains that need to be flattened. That why, that's why it says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. Right? We walk in the flesh, but we do not uh, war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These mountains, hills that we need to pull down. Casting down imaginations and very high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing unto captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Man, how many times is our thoughts our enemy? Not the devil, our thoughts, the way we think. He says that needs to come to in obedience with Christ. That stronghold, that thing that we, that we believe that's wrong. Do you see there's an exchange of mind that needs to take place here? What we said, that repentance, that becoming like Steve Jobs, like I said with Victor. That needs to take place. Your mind needs to be replaced with Christ. You need to start thinking Christ-like in the desert and where you are. So why is it important to make Christ our focus in the desert? Whether we, are, whether we see a miracle or not. Remember, John the Baptist didn't see miracles when he was in the desert. Why is it important for you and me to make Christ our focus? even though you don't see a miracle, even though you don't hear a vision, even though you don't get anything from Him. Think about it. Why? Because all He's asking you is to serve Him, doesn't matter what, without all those benefits. He's asking you to serve Him, to love Him. But we've made it this, He must talk to us, He must show us visions, He must do this. It's all, all, and all those things are, are, are great. Um, we all love it. But what happens if that's not happening for 400 years, like it happened in the Bible? Why do we need this stuff? Why is it not happening? So if we look at Isaiah verse 5, 40 verse 5, it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Because remember, we need to get these hills taken down, flattened, that that verse 4 said. That we're on the way. We're in the desert. We're on the way. And this must be flattened. It says in verse 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. That's what we need. We need to see the glory of the Lord. That is what mankind, the whole of mankind needs. There's only one thing that will free the whole of creation. And that's the revealing of this glory. I've spoken about this before. We need that. Our little plans, our little religious exercises will not do a thing. We need the glory of the Lord. Only that will bring correction. All right. When you go through the desert, what will be revealed through you? The glory of the Lord. So if you go through these desert places, sometimes it's short, sometimes it's very long. Know that the reason is what's going to be revealed through you? The glory of the Lord, because you were willing to go through the desert. Because it's a choice to go into the desert. Remember when Jesus went into the desert, He was led by the Spirit. 
he could he could have walked turned around and walked the other way. He wasn't forced into it. He was led. The Spirit was walking in front, and Jesus followed. He wasn't pushed into the desert. You don't get pushed into a desert. You choose. Okay. Most of the times we will see our plans do not work in the desert. It will not work in the desert. All right. But know this, that the Lord wants to do a thing. But that thing he wants to do in the desert, that thing he wants to teach in the desert, is going to be done his way, not your way. If it's your way, you're going to struggle. It's got to be done his way. And that means we die. We allow him to... To teach us his way in the desert. Because remember we said that in Isaiah 40 verse 3. He's the way. Okay. Jesus is the way. So it's got to be done his way. Let's go back to Matthew 3. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. We now here with John. He said unto them. Oh generation of vipers. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Okay. So yeah. We spoke about this before. I'm going to explain this in more detail now. He's saying to them, oh, you generation of vipers. He's saying these to the religious people of the religious system of the day. The people that's preaching and teaching every Saturday and through the weeks in the streets. He's saying to them, you, oh, generation of vipers. You belong to the snake. That's what he's saying. So that word viper is not a swear word. He's not fighting with them saying this and that. What he's actually doing is simply showing them their heritage, where they come from, which is hard. It's even worse than swearing at them. He's showing them their heritage. He's saying their generation of, of from the viper. He's saying that's where you come from. So if we go look at the viper, the snake, we go to Genesis 3 in your Bibles where we will see where the problem started with this viper, the snake. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than the, any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he says unto the woman, Ye hath God said, Ye shall eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. See, he's using a tree here to, to, to get it to say something. Verse 6 of Genesis 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took off the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. What does this tree give you? He says there, wisdom. This tree gave wisdom. Okay. So when this snake in the God of Eden bit Eve, when he got her to follow him, when he bit Eve. He replaced her thoughts, which was glorified, with his thoughts, snake thoughts, flesh. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. The moment she, she submitted to the devil by eating that fruit to give her wisdom, she received the snake's wisdom. And not the, not the wisdom she really had from God, God's wisdom. Her, and so basically her spiritual thoughts were replaced with fleshly thoughts. That's actually what happened. Do you see why John the Baptist are calling these people from the viper? Alright? And now this is where, and I'm not pointing fingers here at, at churches and anything, but we need to, to focus. You're here to learn. 
most 99% of religious systems in the whole world work according to the intellect. I'm going to say this again. Most system religion doctrines are made, come from the man's intellect, out of the method of good and evil from that tree. The tree that Eve ate from in the Garden of Eden. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. That wisdom is used in most systems. And still today, a lot of us, you guys listening, are struggling to get rid of that poison that's still in us. From that tree, that man-made wisdom that comes from the fleshly side of us that came from the snake when the snake bit Eve in the Garden of Eden. When he replaced her mind with his mind, the fleshly mind. So we still struggle with that poison that's in us. And that's why I'm saying, sometimes when we listen to different people, teachings, churches, um, we listen to all these things, but the problem is we cannot discern where's the poison. We don't realize we're getting poisoned. That's why we quickly run to a church and want to go listen to a church and think it's good there or whatever, but we don't realize poison, you don't see it, slowly creeps in and it kills you without you seeing it. All right, that's why we need to know how to discern. That poison, at the end of the day, what's it, what, why did you receive that poison? To kill you, spiritually. All right? So that's why Jesus is saying here to the Sadducees and them, you are bitten by the viper. You're a generation from the viper. You were bitten. You're still functioning the way that Adam and Eve were bitten in the Garden of Eden. You are showing by your works, your fruit, that you are bitten. Uh, by this name. You only think in the natural. Everything you do is in the natural. And we still have that problem today. If you pray in tongues and all that stuff, that doesn't mean you, you're you not bitten by the snake still. You're not functioning with the snake poison in you. Alright. Uh, I think that we need to also, I emphasize this a lot of times, we, we, we have to learn that God is spirit. The word says God is spirit. It says that in John 4, 24. God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? In spirit. Not in intellect. Not in intellect. In spirit. And this again not praying in tongues. It's got nothing to do with that. In spirit and in truth. We need to understand that God cannot be understood with the natural mind. He cannot be understood. That's why you will fight with people if you want to try giving them spiritual things. If you say something that the Lord maybe have shown you that's spiritual and you give it to somebody, they will not understand it. They will actually maybe attack you and say it's wrong what you're saying. Because spirit and flesh, they cannot work together. The two doesn't work together. I mean, the Bible says that it cannot be understood from the natural mind, the spirit. It cannot be understood at all. Look at the book of Revelations. The book of Revelations, I've said this so many times before, it's not a book of revealing the Antichrist. It's not a book of revealing monsters and, and dragons and stuff that we in the flesh want to go and look for. It's not about creatures and walking around. Um, the title tells you what it's about. It says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. If, you, if I take the whole book of Revelations, all 22 chapters, 
in each chapter, I will be able to reveal Jesus Christ in that chapter. That's what that whole book is about that John wrote there. Not about finding wars and stuff like that in there. Okay. It's the unveiling, it's the manifestation of Jesus in that. That's what that book's about. I know there is things in the book of Revelation that sounds ugly and these creatures and all that, but you need to see it from the spiritual side, not the, not the intellect. And I've said this to you before, but before, um, those creatures and stuff, it's talking about you. The stuff that you're struggling with. Those creatures are pointing to your soul, the stuff that needs to get taken out to reveal Christ in you. Because remember, we want to reveal Christ in you. That's what it's all about. And to, how do we get Christ to be revealed in you? We need to get rid of these things, these ugly things that's still in us. That, that we need to, to, to get rid of. These little mountains, these strongholds that we're talking about. Yeah. Because the Lord wants to reveal Himself through us. But it struggles if we're in the natural. You actually cannot do that if we're still in the natural. It's going to, you're going to struggle big time. Okay. Um, Numbers 21 verse 4. I want to read you something. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass to the land of Edom and to the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. They don't like this way. Huh? This way. Remember where what they on their way. On the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. How many of us have done that? When we're on the way. On Jesus' way. And we, we speak out against this. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loath this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that they take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fierce serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he look upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it up upon a pole. And it came to pass and that if a serpent had bitten any man, that he held the serpent of brass, he lived. Okay, we all know the story. We spoke about this when we do kickstarts about John 3.16, but I want to take it in another direction. Do you notice he doesn't say you've got to go follow a 10-step course to get rid of the snake bite? He doesn't say that. It says, what must you do to get rid of the snake bite? You must look. Look to whom? Towards Christ. Jesus, the one that Died for that sin, for that snake bite. So, it doesn't say that everyone that got bitten must go for counseling. And I'm not saying there's bad things about There's a place for counseling, but we run to things and think that will, will heal us. And we don't go to, to the Lord to get the healing. Alright. I don't see it says there that we've got to go get rid of our bloodline curses. It says you've got to look. And I'm not saying I, I mean I'm not saying I don't believe in bloodline curses, but it's not every time a bloodline curse like we do. Because people anything that's wrong it's bloodline or is this or that. And we need to see we need to look to the cross, to Jesus that they paid the price there. If the snake have bitten you like he's bitten all of us, all you need to do is to look 
to the brass serpent. Jesus hanging on the cross to take away those things. All right. I said it to, to somebody else the other day. I said to them, stop believing a lie. I spoke to this one lady and she had this issues and she said it's a bloodline thing. And I said to her, stop believing lie. You've made that bloodline thing such a, such a, a thing in your life. You're believing it. You're giving it power. I said, stop believing that. Believe in Christ rather than the stuff that you believe in. Because I said, if you don't change your mind regarding this bloodline, I can pray and pray and pray and you're not going to change because you've accepted this thing and you made it a, a nearly a doctrine in your in your mindset and now you're worshipping this doctrine instead of worshipping Christ with this thing. You need to accept this. If you look at the snake, nothing will happen with you and live that. Walk in that. All right. So I said yeah, a lot of people are working for the Lord today in the natural mindset. And because of that, snake poison is still working in them. Okay. I'm going to say this again. A lot of people are working for the Lord today in the natural mindset. With other words, in the intellect. And because of that, the snake poison is still working in them. Okay. You will see it in their fruit if you go and look. That's why I'm saying when you, your daily walk outside is so important because the people are going to look at your fruit. Can they see Christ or are you still filled with poison? Um, if we look in, in, in the history, in the times we're living in and what has passed, people like Martha, Luther, Calphane, all those guys, God did massive stuff through those things. But we need more. Those things were necessary, but where we are now, we need more. We, I said to you, we actually need a God explosion. Not a little, little earthquake, a little rattle. We need an explosion, something that is radically going to shake people, the nations, the world. That's all that, that's going to change, the way things are going at the moment. I want to be at that place where, where, where you just look at somebody and they get healed. Without them knowing I prayed or in my mind, I didn't touch them. I want to be at that place where it's not about me. It's about that person getting healed or finding whatever deliverance or whatever the case may be without me even having to do anything. It happened in the Bible. Look at the lady that had blood flow issues. Did Jesus lay hands on her, pray for her, give her good teaching? No, she just touched him and she was healed without him doing anything. I want to be at that place. Where, 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 where you walking Jesus in you does what he needs to do without you even realizing what he's doing through you. That's what we need in this world. Something, an explosion of Jesus Christ in this world. We need Jesus to become visible for all nations. I want to read out of the book of Hezekiah a couple of verses. I'm going to read from verse 3. And he did the, that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David and his father did. He removed the high places. Remember what we said in Isaiah 40 verse 4? Look what he's saying here. He, this Hezekiah guy, removed the high places and broke the images and cut down the groves and broke in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. Look what is Hezekiah doing. I hope you're getting what is happening here. I'm going to read this again. I want, really want you to, to, to focus on what I'm saying. He removed the high places. Because remember, we've got strongholds and high places in us. And break the image. Images. The stuff, the, little, the, the, the statues they built on top of these mountains. 
and cut down the groves and broke in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. They were still worshipping the snake on the pole that Moses built in the desert. And he called it, what is it called, Neustin, Hezekiah. That, main, that name means Yahweh strengthens. Yahweh strengthens or Yahweh is my strength. And with that strength, he was able to take down these strongholds. Who takes it down? Yahweh, Jesus, Yeshua, God. He takes down these strongholds. The stuff you are still worshipping. That money you are fighting to win more and make more money. He wants to take that thing down, flatten it. So that making money is not your focus, but Jesus Christ is your focus. So that your pride is not your focus, Jesus is your focus. Do you see you remove the high places like we spoke earlier? Sometimes I also think like Umyani always said that um, I stand today, like he always said, I also still today, I see this where I stand today and yeah, it's difficult because sometimes we, we still have to break down these brazen serpent like Hezekiah. Sometimes I feel like I'm still doing that. And that's why people don't like us. Because we, 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 we're busy with breaking off these serpents, these religious systems. And Omiyani always said he, 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 he doesn't like it. But it's something that the God doing. He's not a ministry of breaking these things. But he's got to go and break down these serpents. He doesn't attack the people. We don't attack the people. We take down that stronghold that's ruling over people. And here, Hezekiah is the one who did it. I mean, I would have easily started the church and being a normal pastor like the normal churches would do and, and have that life. That, uh, that would suit me perfectly, very easily. I would love doing that. But yeah, the Lord instead are uh, using me more to, to break these serpent statues that we worship and people worship. And it's not always fun doing that. And the reason why I'm a snake breaker, if I could call it that way, is because people are stuck in their religious ways. We as believers have no impact out there. We have nothing because we're still worshipping, we're still poisoned with a snake. The end of verse 4 is a scary thing that it says there actually. This is happening in every town, in, on every Saturday and Sunday. The people are still using incense for the brazen serpent. Every Sunday and Saturday, they're still worshipping this method, mythology, this method of worshipping the serpent. Just like the people in the desert when they called on the Lord. He gave them this thing. It worked perfectly when Moses did it. And then they, and it's finished. But they kept on worshipping it until Hezekiah had to come and knock that thing off. You said to them, stop, this is not, this is old, this is gone, don't do this anymore. Today, every Sunday, people are still lighting the incense in the spirit and 
worshipping the brazen serpent Sunday for Sunday. They don't realize they're worshipping this snake bite that Eve got in the garden that comes through the intellect and they're still worshipping that. They're still praising the serpent, thinking that's their salvation. No, it's the one that's off the cross. That's your salvation. Not the serpent that's hanging on the cross. All right. And all these things are done in the name of Jesus and people are doing them. I don't have a problem with that. It's just we need to have a balance in this, that we know what is right and wrong. We can discern what is right and wrong. And I mean, for me, where I stand in life today, I've had a lot, a lot of people coming to me and I can see that this serpent method is not working. That's why they come to me, because it's not working. And they're all busy in the systems and, and doing things for Jesus, and, but it's not working. The truth is it's not working. The people are broken and scared. If your focus is Jesus, you become like Jesus. We all know that. You become what you, what you behold. That's a key for us as, as believers. You become what you behold. If you only behold worldly things, you will become worldly. And I'm not talking about physical stuff, uh, clothing or cars or houses, all that. I'm talking about spiritual stuff. You will, what you what you take in, you will become that. You need to behold Jesus so that we be, can become more like Jesus outside there. We need people to get to this place where they can be saved from this brazen serpent theology. They need to get saved from that. And it's your work and my work through the Holy Spirit to do that. Not to fight with people and all that stuff. We need the, the serpent thoughts in people to get replaced with Christ thoughts. Because serpent thoughts, like I said, is fleshly. It's, 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 it's all through the flesh. It's intellect. And it's, 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 it's religion. It's, religious is, is not from the Spirit. If we look at this in, where John is speaking, he's not saying you group of prostitutes, you are from the your family or from the from the serpent, the viper. He, he's not saying this to alcoholics, you, you children of the serpent. He's saying this to the religious people that are flourishing, making money because God's quiet and they loud. Today, I'm going to make a statement today, the Lord is still very quiet. Yes, He's speaking here there to us, but if we are honest with one another, He's quiet. But religious systems and religious ways are flourishing and loud and in your face the whole time. We're still having the same problem that John the Baptist had here. And if you look at that, what John said about them being the, the children of the snake, you can go read it. Jesus said it more than once. He said it in Matthew 12, verse 34, if you want to go read it. He said it in Matthew 23, verse 33. He said the same thing, Jesus. You're from the serpent. You're bitten. You're full of poison. The religious system of that day, the religious system of today is still bitten, are still poison, poisonous. And they're biting people and spreading the poison. And it's killing everybody. That's why we don't see God move in the way it should be. Matthew 7. Matthew 7. 
we'll read from verse 15 here. Beware of false prophets which come to you in, sh in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are re uh, uh, ravaging wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a corrupt tree bears forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Remember what we said here about this fruit that we've got to see. It says in verse 19, Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by the fruit ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Remember, it's not saying heaven. Kingdom of heaven. That rulership. We always think it's talking about heaven there, but it's not. But he that doth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that, that, that Lord, Lord, we, uh, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast our devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They're not going to hell here. I hope you realize this. They not going to function in the kingdom is what he's saying here we, we always take that and think they they're not going to heaven these guys that are just prophesying and praying and all doing all the works it's not what it's saying but that, i don't want to talk about that that last verse i read verse 23 says and then will i profess unto them i never knew you that word knew gnosko he's saying i never knew you he says I were never intimate with you. And I regards, I can't even imagine. So think about it. Are you? Are you there? Did he do that with you? Or are you just busy being religious? I'm just asking. I don't want to preach, but I'm just saying that this, this is what it boils down to. Last week, anyone was at this men camp. It's so scary if you see the men sitting in front of you. How many have been intimate with him and who's not? It's, you can, it's a scary as daylight to see that. You don't have to even... It's, it's easy to see that. And that's a qualification. Not to go to heaven, to function in that kingdom. He's talking here about people doing their own thing. In other words, religion. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about sin or, or religious activities. He's talking about the religious stuff that we're doing. Um, and it's our own stuff. It's our own stuff we're doing. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13. With things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritually judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Okay? That's why he says, um, oh, I don't want to go there now. For who hath done the mind of the Lord, that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He's talking about judgment, that we can judge believers, but we cannot judge non-believers. Only God can. But 
What I want to say is, look at Matthew 7 verse 16. It says that ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes and thorns or figs or this? That's what we're reading. What he's saying here is this meaning that he's saying is the person does not gather spiritual fruit of the flesh of or flesh trees. He's not gathering spiritual fruits or fleshly trees. I'm, I'm using different wording here. I hope you understand what I'm saying. He's, let, let, let me read it this way. Matthew 7 verse 17. Remember we read it earlier about the fruits. A good tree bears good fruits or bad fruits. I'm going to change it here. Even so, every good tree beareth. Okay, now I'm going to change it. So you must focus on because I'm going to change it every time. I'm not going to say it every time. Every, uh, e uh, sorry, even so, every spiritual tree brings forth spiritual fruit. But a fleshly tree brings forth fleshly fruit. Alright? Why do you think Paul says in Galatians 6, when he's talking about the recovery of people, be aware of what, what you sow. He's talking about be aware of what because what you sow you will reap. Because of what tree are you? What fruits are going to come? If you sow in the flesh, you will reap in the flesh. If you sow in the spirit, you will reap in the spirit. Uh, example I can give you. I had an example. I had an incident like this the weekend at the men's camp. So I spoke to this guy. But did the Lord tell you to give a guy a bigger ten rand, or was it because you wanted to give him ten rand? If it was because you wanted to give him ten rand. It was in the flesh. It was not in the spirit. I don't care if it was a good deed. It was done in the flesh. All charity, uh, let, let, let me put it this way. If you look at all the charity stuff, most of those charity stuff are functioning out of the natural observation of what's going on. And we're helping. That's serpent thinking. That's not spiritual thinking, even though it sounds such, like such a good thing to do. Our charity stuff that we're busy with are most of the time serpent stuff. It will bear no fruit. It will bear fleshly fruit. Because it's not from the Spirit. It can only be done through the Spirit. It doesn't matter if you look good. Because at some stage, like I said to this person, be aware when giving 10 rand to every beggar, becomes a nice thing to do and you get this little oh i'm doing this good thing every time for the lord and it's for the lord again it's in jesus name but it's not jesus it's in your carnal mind it's it's your 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 intellect you're working through the snake bite the poison out of religion so yeah if you sow in the flesh you will reap in the flesh i'm going to end with this last but i'm going to change these verses in matthew 7 verse 18 and 19 like i just did the previous one a good spiritual tree cannot bring forth fleshly fruit neither can a fleshly tree bring forth spiritual fruit every tree that brings not fruit spiritually fruit is is taken down and cast into fire wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them okay so We've got to function spiritually. We've got to understand spiritually. God is spirit. We've got to read our Bible spiritually, not in the flesh. If we read it in the flesh, we're going to interpret it in the intellect. 
And then we think it's beautiful teachings, and there is good teachings in the intellect, but it's not going to feed you the food you need to grow. Only the Spirit can give you that nourishment that you need to grow in, in, in your spiritual being as a person. Alright, so I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to continue because if I take the next bit, it's going to take too long. But here we have John the Baptist. He started calling out of the desert saying, repent, change your mind fully, not a little bit, fully. Replace your mind with his mind. He's calling out this repentance saying, stop this viper mentality to the people that comes with that. He says the time for that is gone. The kingdom is here now. And we're at the same place today where we can, when we are in the desert, we should proclaim the way is coming. We can see the way. His name is Jesus Christ. He's coming. Let's get rid of our little hills and mountains and creatures that's roaming there. Let Hezekiah come and destroy those things. The strength of the Lord. Let him come and destroy those strongholds in your mind. Whether it's money, pride, whatever the case may be, alcohol, whatever your thing is. But did that get destroyed by Hezekiah? That snake worshipping we're doing. It was good for a day, that religious thing that we're doing, that they're doing Sunday. It was good. There was a time that it worked, but it's not working anymore. It's, it's gone. It's past. So we need to understand that we, we, if we listen to the Spirit, we will do what's relevant now, here, now. John was proclaiming something new there now. He wasn't going back to the old serpent stuff. And we are today are not proclaiming what is new and truth now. Most of the people are still lighting their little incense every Sunday for the serpent and, and, and worshipping him and not realizing that's old stuff. You don't need to do that anymore. But our trees need to bring forth spiritual fruit, good fruit. In this what we do and like i said earlier where will you get this good fruit how will you grow in this christ is when you're willing to step into the desert being led by the spirit into that desert like john the baptist was led also there to live in the in the wilderness and to proclaim the kingdoms at hand and we're at that place where we need to proclaim the kingdoms and we're not seeing it but we're proclaiming it we're not seeing this godly explosion but we're proclaiming it's coming and we're going to look stupid for the religious people when we say this. Like John the Baptist looked stupid. They made fun of his clothes and what he ate. But he was crying out, it's coming. Okay. And we are there crying out, it's coming. Even though we don't see it, we believe it. When we're in the desert, we don't look at how we're burning, how bad it is. We're there to get rid of our hills. That's the problem. Those creatures wandering around, they're causing you not to go on the way. So let's, let's work all of us on that to get that out of the way, those hills, so that we can proclaim the way which is Jesus. Okay.